Welcome to the LBC Sermon Podcast. This podcast is recorded live at Love Beyond Church in Harveston, Johannesburg, every Sunday at 9am, and may include the sounds of God's creation and our scenic environment. Join us as we press into the heart of God and His will for our lives. Welcome. good this morning. God is good. Can we get an amen, amen if you know amen, that God is good this morning? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is here this morning. and God wants to speak to each and every one of us. Who knows that God still speaks? Amen. God still speaks. He wants to speak to us daily. And one of the main ways that he speaks to us is, of course, through his word. So we'll be diving straight into his word this morning. And we will be looking at reverence and revival. Two very, very big and and uh, powerful words that we hear in the church all the time. But we're just going to look a little bit at those two words this morning. So I would like you to turn to the book of Acts also known as the Acts of the Apostles. And this is basically the history of the foundation of the church. This is where the church first starts. Now I would like you to, to go to Acts 9. We will be getting to Acts chapter 9 in just a second. But first I want to tell you about a guy named Stephen. Who has heard the name Stephen before? Who knows who Stephen in the Bible was? few of us, a few of us know. So Stephen, Stephen was an administrator and he was a deacon, sort of like a pastor in the early church. And he was chosen specifically for his faith, his wisdom, his grace, and his power. It says in Acts chapter 6 that he was someone who, who taught very well. He taught his people very well. He was a good administrator. He was very wise and he did miracles amongst the people if you were sick you went to Stephen and you said please pray for me and you felt better that's that's the long and the short of it right Stephen was a man who walked close to God I really want to be like Stephen in that regard I want to be a man who walks close to God because that's what makes an impact that's what makes an impact. Stephen did not make an impact because he was born to a good family. Stephen did not make an impact because he had a high-paying job. Stephen did not make an impact because he dressed well or carried himself well. Stephen made an impact because he was full of faith and full of God. Acts chapter 6, Acts 6 chapter, sorry, chapter 6 verse 5 says he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. These verses can be quite a tongue twister if you really, <laughs> if you really get excited, right? So we also see, reading chapter 6 and 7, that he was a formidable debater. In the church, we discourage debate a lot of the times. We, we, we discourage things like apologetics because we say we should just let everybody be. He was a formidable debater and it made people angry which is why we avoid it today we don't want to upset people 
as Christians. Stephen was not afraid to rock the apple cart. Stephen was fearless. He was a fearless defender of Jesus and what he believed in. In verse 11 and 14 of chapter 6, we read that he had made some powerful people very angry and that they had started plotting against him and had resolved to get rid of Stephen because he was saying things they did not want to hear. He was saying things they did not want to hear. In chapter 7 is where we first meet Paul. Who's heard of Paul? Paul was a fearless servant of Jesus Christ later in his life. And we'll see how Stephen played a role in that in just a moment. So we'll read from chapter 7, verse 48. People wanted to get rid of Stephen. The Jews said, well, he's preaching stuff that we don't like. He's fighting with us. He's debating with us. Um, and we need to get rid of him. And Stephen comes and give, gives this massive speech. He gives this massive speech to all of the Jewish leaders. And basically what he is saying is God has been talking to you. Since time began, God has been talking to you. He has expressed his need to live in your midst, to move in your midst, to be in your midst. And every time he has shown you the pattern, we as the people of Israel, we have missed it. We have missed it. We have killed our prophets. How long will you keep killing our prophets, you religious leaders? That's what Stephen is saying. Stephen is saying, you guys have worked and you've worked yourselves up this political ladder and you have, have, have gotten into this high position, but you've still got it wrong. I really enjoyed what Peter said this morning about coming back to basics. And the basic fact is this, God wants to live and move in our lives. Amen. Now, in your life, in my life, Graham, in your life, Amen. He, wants, he wants to use you to part oceans for people to go through. He wants to use you as a tool in His hand. Scotty, you are a vessel for the power and the anointing of God. God wants to be active and living in you and through you. Amen. That is what Stephen is telling them. And he says, and, and I really enjoy all of the sort of sarcasm and, and nippiness that takes place in the book of Acts. The apostles really, really do speak to someone like me. I really do enjoy it. He says, however, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, says the Lord, and the earth is my footstool. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people says Stephen to the religious leaders. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. He says, you guys don't understand the covenant plan of God. Your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? 
They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. And the Bible says that the Jewish council became angry and they gnashed their teeth at him. Who's walked past the fence with like an angry dog barking at you? That's what Stephen was facing. Except these dogs picked up stones and they started throwing it at Stephen. And Stephen became the first martyr to die for the Christian faith. The first person in Christianity to die for his belief in Jesus. And Acts 8 verse 1 says, Saul approved of their killing him. Saul approved of their killing. It says in, in chapter 8, and, and I'm going to try and make, because I know not a lot of people like history. Um, is there any history buffs in the room this morning? Anyone who likes a little bit of history? Okay, but I'm going to try and I'm going to try and make it not too historical. Okay, um, so just sort of the long and short of it is, after this happened, after Stephen gets stoned to death, a great persecution breaks out. Christians are getting murdered and displaced and 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 abused all over the place. This still happens today. This still happens today. We, we think that 2,000 years later, the, the world would become a more civilized place. It, it's not. It's not. If you go to Voice of the Martyrs, it's a website, you can actually follow situations right around the world where missionaries are in trouble because of their faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we get to do what we are doing right now. Thank you, Lord, that we can still live in a country where we are allowed to have a Bible and preach the gospel freely. But persecution also purifies the church. Persecution has the potential to expand the church. In Acts chapter 1, it, 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 sorry, Acts chapter 8 verse 1, it explains to us that when this persecution broke out, the Christians were displaced. They scattered throughout ancient Palestine, and the gospel spread wherever they went. If it wasn't for Stephen being killed, the gospel wouldn't have spread as quickly as it did. Because of his fearlessness, the gospel spread. And I want to say it this morning, a lot of us feel we've got an evangelistic calling. A lot of us feel we want to reach people for Jesus. I want to tell you, you have to die to self to get there. Like Stephen. Stephen didn't care what the authorities thought. Stephen didn't care what the people would say. Stephen was dead to self. That's where we need to get. Amen. You can't kill a dead man. Right? Amen. So, <laughs> the gospel spread. Meanwhile, while the gospel is spreading, so is persecution. Because Saul later known as Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he, he, he just, he goes on this killing spree. He just, he realizes the Christians are getting away. He wants to chase him. So in chap, chapter 9, verse 1, we read and we see that he went to the high priest in Jerusalem and he asked for a letter 
from the high priest, authorizing him to go and capture these Jews, these Christian Jews running away from Jerusalem, and to bring them back to face their judgment. It says in chapter 9, verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. Verse 5 says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. And the people who were traveling with Saul heard the voice, but they saw nothing. Saul got up and he was blind. <laughs> Blinded by the glory of God. Many of us, when we first come to Christ, we, we actually kind of feel a bit blind as well. Eh? We're blindsided. We, we just have that imprint of God. Know, printed on our eyelids can't see can't can't we don't know where we are we we don't understand what just happened you know but, but we know something happened exactly. something important happened now what's interesting is I, i'm reading from the niv and it says um in verse five please go back to verse five who are you lord so asked and he said i am jesus whom you are persecuting in the king james version of the bible there is an extra sentence in this verse and it says it is hard for you to kick against the pricks the new king james translates this a little bit better and says it is hard for you to kick against the goads the hebrew word that they use translates better as goads now a goad is a big pointy stick right graham are you taking notes big pointy stick right and the farmer uses this big pointy stick to direct his ox where to go by stabbing it on the legs. And then when the ox kicks it, it's, it's painful. So what Jesus is saying is, I have been trying to tell you something all this time. Something has been pricking away at your conscience, soul. Something has been tugging at the sleeves of your heart. You see, Saul seemed very hard on the outside. Saul was very, very hard and brutal on the outside. But on the inside, many theologians argue he was questioning. He was questioning his faith. He was questioning whether he was doing the right thing in chasing down these Christians. That's why Jesus said it's hard for you to kick against the goats, to kick against the pricks. Many historians argue that this pricking of his soul 
started when he saw the martyrdom of Stephen, when he saw Stephen being killed. Because when they were throwing the rocks at Stephen, everybody could see the glory on Stephen's face. Because Stephen was looking up into heaven and he said, I see, I see the Son of God standing at the right, the right hand of the Father. They could see the glory on his face. They could see the joy and the peace on Stephen's face. And they could hear his final prayer, his prayer of forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And if history tells me anything, and I've, I've heard a lot of stories about martyrs and, and people who have died for the faith, usually they go to that cross willingly. They go with joy. They go with peace. And Paul saw this, and his conscience was being goaded, was being stabbed with that little pointy stick of the Holy Spirit saying, listen, listen, you have to wake up, you have to wake up. But like many of us, Saul did not listen, so Jesus had to take a way more direct approach. He blinds Saul, and he says to him, go to Damascus. Go to Damascus and wait there. Verse 10 says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And I need you to take note that it was not a prophet. It was not a pastor. It was not an apostle. It was not an evangelist. It was not a great famous Bible teacher. There was a certain disciple named Ananias. Just a normal, everyday Christian Disciple, chap. Oh, just, just an everyday happy Christian chappy sitting in Damascus. And the Lord calls out to him in a vision and says, Ananias. He says, yes, Lord. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias does not like this. He says, Lord, I have heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to erase all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. And Ananias went to this house in Straight Street, the house of Judas, <laughs> in Straight Street, and he went and he said, Brother Saul! Greeted him in love as if he was family, straight off the bat. Put his hand on his shoulder, and Saul could see again. Scales fell from his eyes. I see three types of revival, three contributing factors for revival, three, three situations in which revival comes. In, in this passage we've spoken about this morning. First of all, the fearless preaching of the gospel. We need to get fearless about the truth. 
We are not called to be seeker-friendly as the church. We are called to seek out the lost. We are called to seek out the lost and present them with truth. No compromise, no sugarcoating. We need to be fearless about what we believe. Like Stephen was fearless. Even unto death, Stephen was fearless. That fearlessness, that fearlessness comes from reverence. From reverence. I know who I am. I know I am who he says I am because he is who he says he is. He is the everlasting father. He is the mighty conqueror. He is the prince of peace. He is my stronghold. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is the one in whom I trust and I will never be put to shame. And because I know that he is who he says he is, I can rest assured in the fact that I am who he says I am. And if he says that nothing can separate me from his love, if he says I am more than a conqueror, I will be more than a conqueror. If he says not hell, nor anything on this earth, nor anything in this universe, not famine, death, or sword will separate me from his love, his goodness, and his grace, that is what I believe. Because I believe that God is who he says he is. Can I get an amen? You are awfully quiet in this church. Can we get stirred up? Can we get excited about the fact that God is who he says he is? My two young friends in the back there, are you excited? Just give me an amen shout. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Here we go. It's time we get excited. It's time we get stirred up. It's time we get serious and fearless about the gospel. Revival comes from personal encounter. Personal encounter. So me and Graham can go to the KFC. We were talking about this earlier. Maybe just rock up with a guitar and we can sing and we can get on a table and Graham can preach a word and I can preach a word and we can just pop a few demons and, and just it's just a good time all around. But the people there still need to have a personal encounter with the love, the grace, the mercy, the power of God. Revival comes from seeing Jesus rightly. Amen. From seeing Jesus rightly. And I can tell you that if you see Jesus rightly, like Stephen saw Jesus rightly, when the heavens opened and he saw the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father, if you can see Jesus rightly, others will see that reflection on your face, in your life. They will have personal encounters with God through you. And we see this in the life of Ananias, a certain everyday disciple, an everyday person like you and me. Doesn't need a title, doesn't need a position, doesn't need a degree in theology or practical ministry or a doctorate in divinity or, or whatever everybody wants us to have. No, just a love and a reverence for Jesus. That reverence leads to obedience. I like the fact that Acts chapter 9 starts with meanwhile. Meanwhile, the whole time in the book of Acts is just a bunch of meanwhiles. 
Meanwhile, while this is happening, something else is happening somewhere else. Meanwhile, while the church is growing, Paul is still going around persecuting Christians. And then he gets blinded. And meanwhile, Ananias is sitting in his house, maybe even having a sandwich or something. And God comes to him and says, Ananias, I need you to, to do something. God wants to use you as the meanwhile in someone else's life. God wants to use you as a meanwhile in someone else's life. And it doesn't mean that you need a microphone. You don't need a microphone. You don't need a, a, a platform for that. How many people do we see in our everyday lives? You have your platform. You have been positioned. Positioned to be the power of God in the lives of the people around you. Reverence is defined as a profound love and respect. When we love God, we will do what He commands. Revival is defined as bringing something back to life. Our profound love and respect for God. Doing what He asks us to do when He asks us to do it. Listening to his voice, that will lead to revival in our lives and the lives of those around us. Amen. Amen. I want to close off with this final thought. When Paul is walking on the Damascus Road and he hears the voice of God for the first time, that's, that's a very very important theological event taking place right there because in those days the jewish synagogues had started teaching that you cannot hear the voice of god directly god only spoke through his prophets and he had stopped doing it at that point according to to the jewish theologians they said if you were lucky, you could hear the echo of God's voice. They actually called it the daughter of God's voice. You could hear, but you couldn't hear the voice of God. Because God was far away. God was far away. He was behind a curtain in the temple in Jerusalem. And only a select few could access God. But God comes in Jesus Christ and shows Paul that day that I am a God of nearby. I still speak. And I want to speak to you today. I want to speak to you today, says the Lord, so that you can be empowered and encouraged to go and make a difference in the lives of the people around you. So Lord, I, I thank you this morning, God, that you you are faithful, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that as we think about this word, about these three chapters in Acts, Lord God, about everything we've heard here this morning, Lord God, that, that you will point out the things that we need to be mindful of, Lord God. And that you will elaborate on these things. The seeds that have been sown this morning, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will water and nurture them lord god because the gates of hell will not prevail against your church lord 
And we see the gates of hell prevailing in our communities, Lord. We see the gates of hell prevailing in the world, Lord God. It is time for the church to take its rightful place. So, Lord, thank you that you will lead each and every one of us in all righteousness, Lord God. In all holiness, Lord God, deeper into relationship with you, Lord. So that like Ananias, Lord, when you say, whom shall I send? Who will go? Go, do this. We will say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Lord, I pray for each and every person on the live feed as well. I thank you, Lord, that you see every need, Lord God. Lord, that you see those who need healing right now, Lord God. We want to pray for Emil as well, Lord God, with his shoulder. We pray for healing in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that as the people on the live feed make their requests known to you, Lord God, you pour out, you pour out healing, provision, love, comfort, grace, and mercy in Jesus' name. In Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.